Hey everyone, welcome back to Pink Shade, the podcast where we talk about reality TV and we get a little bit culty. Today we are going to focus on one of the greatest gifts ever given to us this holiday season. Yes, Love After Lockup is back for season two on WeTV. It's on Friday nights at 9 p.m. Central. I'm sorry, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Last year, I think it was an hour later. I think they moved it up, but I may be wrong about that. Anyway, it's still got that Friday night time slot, which isn't ideal. But, you know, in the land of streaming and DVRs, we can all watch it at some point throughout the week. You can actually go on WeTV.com and catch the episodes I think even a day after they air, so Saturdays, and all throughout the week, they'll be streaming on there. This show is amazing. I mean, episode one, for those of you who watched it and were fans of it last year, I don't think any of us were disappointed. And if you have never watched this show before and you tuned in, <laughs> I think you're in for a real treat. You should go back and watch all of season one seriously because it's well worth it it's not long i mean the episodes are only an hour each and there aren't a ton of them i want to say there are probably 10 if that for the whole season it's not like 90 day fiance where they're giving you two hours every week but it is the same producers as 90 day fiance it's sharp entertainment and what i like about love after lockup is that it's the same kind of concept you know, it's a it's a different concept, I know that, but it's the same power dynamic that shifts. So you know how in 90 Day Fiance, it's the American who thinks they have all of the power. They think they're bringing this person over. They're going to, you know, be in charge of everything because they hold the keys to the elusive green card. But oftentimes, as we're seeing in Eric and disgusting Leda's situation or Colt and Larissa's situation, they are getting more than what they bargained for. Colt is finding that out the hard way. Eric and Leda are both royal asshats and despicable human beings, so they actually both deserve each other. I don't know what to even say about them that hasn't already been said. Watching Leda this week kick out Tasha and Eric stand by her to do that. Watching their disgusting and vile behavior is just too much. I almost can't even wait for this season of 90 Day to be over because the entire cast is just reprehensible to me at this point. I mean, I don't want to talk to any of them. I don't want to interview them. I am waiting for them to be gone. I am missing the Angelas and Michaels who gave us at least some comic relief. I feel like the comedy is in really short order this season. It's mostly just really depressing, anger-inducing, you know, depressing when we see Stephen and Olga, rage-inducing even when we see Leda operate, uh, Fernanda and John are just kind of annoying. You know, Ashley and Jay, I guess they maybe we could root for them. I don't know, you guys. Isn't it just a strange season? It really is. I'm not giving up on this franchise. I mean, I love 90 Day Fiance as a concept, so I'm not giving up. I refuse. But I will always remember season six as the season where things might have taken a turn. And it's up to Sharp and TLC to turn this baby back around, to let their cast know that they are not actually famous, that they are only five-minute famous, if that, and that... We're only going to keep tuning in if they can keep their asses in line on social media. Quit giving us major spoilers. Quit fighting with one another. Quit fighting, most of all, with viewers. Because these viewers out here are tuning in to watch you. And with reality TV fame comes a lot of judgment. Now, that brings me back to Love After Lockup. Because there is tons of judgment with Love After Lockup. The concept is similar to 90 Day because of the power dynamic. It is about people who are on the outside, not imprisoned, falling in love with and planning to marry someone who is on the inside of prison. Usually the person incarcerated hasn't been incarcerated for a super long time. There were some instances of this. Like last year, we saw Lamar and Andrea, and Lamar had been in, I think, like over 20 years, 25 years or something like that. This season, we're being introduced to some crazies already. We have some people coming back, Scott and Lizzie, and who else do we have coming back that I'm forgetting? Oh, Tony and Angela. Now, the people incarcerated in those two pairings haven't been up to like the 20-year mark, although Lizzie has been in jail or in prison rather for quite some time. I think in Tony and Angela's case, he has not been in prison even up to 10 years. 
This doesn't make a huge difference. Most of these couples are going to end in disaster. We know this. I mean, Scott, there cannot be a bigger chump on the planet, but he sort of gets everything he deserves because he is doing this willingly and he is trying to get a hot chick, I'm air quoting that, to sleep in his bed with him. Now, Lizzie has already made it clear in episode one that she is now a godly woman, so she doesn't do those things anymore. So Scott might have paid $90,000 to a woman who won't even bone him. We'll see. But the most interesting part of this show is that the power does shift, just like in 90 Day. So when the prisoners are released, the cameras follow them to see what it's like when someone is released from prison and starting an immediate relationship with another person who they've promised to oftentimes marry. Not everyone gets married, as we've seen. Not everyone even makes it. And some of these people end up going back to jail. This is going to be an interesting season because we've already been set up with a huge scandal. There is a virgin, supposedly, Megan, who is in love with Michael. And she is waiting for him to come out because she's going to marry him. She's even taking sex classes on video chat, which what the fuck was that? Anyway, she says that Michael proposed to her. She's never met him. Her dad is totally side-eyeing the whole thing. But she has no idea, again, supposedly, that there is a baby mama still in the picture. Sarah, who has a child, Aviana, I think it is. Is that her name? Little girl with Michael. She's waiting for Michael to get out too. And she says they've been engaged for two years. So there are two chicks engaged to Michael. And they are both waiting for him to get out. Now, this is already setting us up for some juicy, juicy drama. I love WeTV for doing this. I hope that this cast can behave themselves. I hope that they can just kind of take it in stride. I hope they don't get too big for their britches like this year's 90 Day Fiance. And I hope that we can just enjoy the trash TV that this show is. I have a very, very interesting guest today, though. A friend of mine on social media, Joanne, who I started following last year and she started following me based on our mutual interest in love after lockup, she has a story to tell. She is married to a former inmate. He was released about a year and a half ago, and before that, he was incarcerated for 25 years. She fell in love with him while he was in prison. She married him while he was in prison, and upon his release, they had to start their lives as husband and wife. Now, Joanne is really active on Instagram and in Facebook groups where she supports other women who are going through what they call the prison wife life. Joanne agreed to talk to me today and to explain what her experience has been like. She talks a lot about something called post-incarceration syndrome. It's kind of like post-traumatic stress disorder that prisoners, especially if they've had long sentences like her husband did, come out with and they have to really work through upon reentry. She is very helpful to other people who are going through this. She actually runs some groups on Facebook, and I'm going to link up everything that she does in the show notes. So if you're interested in learning more, you can click on those links there. But today, we just talk about everything that has to do with being what we call a prison wife and how to know whether something is real, whether you're being conned, as we see a lot in Love After Lockup. And of course, we talk a little bit about what her opinions are on Love After Lockup and how to separate the real from the false. All right. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Joanne. Hey, Joanne, can you hear me? I can. Sounds yeah. good. How are you? Are you in, you're in uh, New York, right? Yeah, on Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought so. I follow, maybe we follow each other on Instagram, so I see you're posting a lot. And it see, I was like, I think she's right in that area, but I wasn't sure. Right. Yeah, I've um, not been here too long. I was in Pennsylvania, and um, they uh, wouldn't let him parole there. So I had to, you oh. know, he's from here. Yeah. You really, people don't really have, like, they have this fantasy island when they get out. It's like, that's it. It's There's so many barriers that they mm-hmm. don't even realize that you know unless you are set up and own a home and forget it you know um it's really difficult that's what i wanted to talk to you about before we get into the discussion can i just ask you a little bit of background did you get married before your husband was released or after your husband was released 
Before. Before. Okay. And did you guys meet prior to him being in or how did you meet? I knew him. He was a friend of my brother's. Okay. Um, and um, it, actually my twin brother who passed away. And Oh, I'm sorry. He, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, it's still hard. Um, and his mm. one of his wishes was like he had diabetes. And so like the, the last few years of his life, you know, he got to where he was so disabled. So, you know, you start reminiscing when you're young. And so this was one of his friends when he was young. And he's like, I wonder what ever happened to him. So when after my brother passed away, I was like, you know, they were so close. I went to look him up and found out he was in prison. And mm. in the same old, like, you know, how, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> I'm out of my freaking mind. And I was living in Las Vegas at the time. Oh, okay. Where was he? Where was he in prison? He, in, in New York, here in New York. And um, he had been in since 1992. Um, so, um, and this was 2004, I believe, four or five. And um, and we just started writing. Um, he started calling and um, he asked me to marry him. And I was like, you know, I can't do that. I was so into my career and... Um, and then finally I was just like, you know what? He always like, you know, cause you think, oh, jail talk, you know, I didn't know anything about anybody in jail, never met anybody in jail. Um, but his, he always put me first, you know, and that's what was so awesome about it was like, you know, I could depend on him. And so he originally filled that emotional gap that I lost with my brother. Right. Uh, right. He kind of slid right in. Um, to that confident and um, friend. And so, um, you know, he asked me to marry him and uh, I did. And we had family visits in, in New York, you know, conjugals. They don't like, that's another thing. They don't call them conjugals. That's like an old term. They're family visits. Uh, majority of the people go on them are parents, actually. You know, very few, you know, well, there are some wives, but they're really hard to get. They have to have like stellar behavior. You know, they can't have any like sex crime or domestic violence, uh, any of that kind of thing. Yeah, that and makes sense. So then you started doing these family visits with him. Can you explain what that is? Because I think people think it's it's an overnight, but is it? Like how it did, how do they do that? Um, it's uh, actually it's forty three hours. Okay, and um. In New York, I can only say for New York, um, you know, you have to be legally married. Um, you are allowed to bring in food. It, you know, it's all searched. Um, it has to be sealed hermetically, you know, so you're able to cook. It's in a two-bedroom. Um, we call them loosely trailers, but they're like um, cottages, you know, like duplexes. And, and there's six on the ground, you know, on the ground uh, behind the prison, on prison grounds. Um, it's in a separate fenced in area. Um, he has to apply for them. Uh, it takes, uh, you know, almost six months to finally go through all the process. You know, several people have to sign off of it from security to counselor. They have to have a good behavior record. Um, you know, no sex crimes, domestic violence, um, escape charges, assaults on staff, you know, they have to be pretty much the cream of the crop. They have to take a drug class and a violence class um, to get these these programs. And um, you just show up there. You bring, um, you know, clothes for a couple of nights. You know, all your things are searched. The food's searched. Um, you get on a van and they take you back um, and you're with your husband. He does have to go out and get counted a couple of times um, a day for the visit, just like the normal count times inside the prison. Um, but other than that, you're alone. Wow. Okay. So it's like you get to share a little apartment for right. a there's, weekend or something. Okay. Yeah. There's there's a kitchen, TV um, that has cable, um, a radio. Um, you know, there's two bedrooms. The other bedroom has cribs in it if you have children, um, toys. There's a little playground, a barbecue area. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like a normal for them to unwind and it helps with reentry, you know, because there, you mm -hmm. have that connection a little bit deeper. It's not the on edge of a visiting room. Right. Um, so, right. And so can your husband just, just to back up you, so you met him 
while he was in prison, you started the letter writing. You started then flying from Las Vegas to New York to see him before, even before these family visits. I mean, I assume you did that before he asked you to marry him. Yes, I did it two or three times. Okay. Um, and he actually pitched in, um, you know, he had been in prison a long time. He's very frugal as his money. Um, and he actually assisted financially, um, which is a big, you know, reason like, you know, I can't do this all on my own, you know. And and so he assisted. And, and any time I needed help, he made sure, you know, I had it. Right. And so, yeah. I went and visited him. You know, we got married. There was a six-month waiting period after marriage um, to apply for the visits. And, and and then it took, I think, about four months after that. So we were married about nine months before we had our first family visit. Oh, wow. So were you married in the prison? They have a chaplain who will do that for you? No, it was uh, it was the Justice of the Peace. I okay. mean, some prisons in New York, each is set up differently, you know, but somebody from the, the court came to the prison and um, issued us our marriage license um, the month before. And so I had to fly out there the month before, get our, our marriage license. The marriage license is only good for 60 days. They only did marriages at the prison he was at twice a year, and you had to be on the list. And so I flew out, got the license, and then flew out the next month and got married. And I didn't fly out again until we had our first family visit. Okay. So what was the timeline here? How long was he incarcerated before you got married to him? And then how uh, long How long was it until he was released and you could be a married couple together living in your home now? Um, he was in 16 years by the time I married him. Okay. And he did a total of 25 um, before he was released. And can um, you say what his incarceration was for? What was he serving time for? Or do you want to skip over that? Well, it wasn't stealing Snickers bars when you do 25 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a bar fight. Okay. It escalated and somebody um, unfortunately didn't survive. Okay. And he refused to take a plea deal because it was, you know, it's, yeah. So, okay. It, 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 yeah. Did, and did you did you talk about that with your family? I mean, what was your family's reaction? The, the reason why you and I connected is because of this crazy show, Love After Lockup, right? I mean, this is like right. a reality TV version. So I wanted to talk to you about the, rea the real reality, you know, of your story. But what we see on the TV show is, of course, all these friends and family members questioning the person, you know, on the outside who's doing this. Did you have a similar experience at all or did you have support? You know, um, I think because they knew me and my character and integrity, they trusted my I mean, I'm sure they didn't like it, but they knew me and they knew that I wouldn't put myself in a situation um, that would be harmful to me. Um, I'm sure they didn't like it. They never said it to my face. Um, but it's a total common normal reaction. Nobody's going to like it. They want the best. They love you. They want the best for you. They don't want you, um, you know, have any other hardships more than any other person. And then when you add in, um, the barriers of, you know, even I was naive to, um, reentry is the most difficult part of this whole journey. And, um, these people putting reality TV cameras when somebody's just exiting prison. Now these people are only doing what people we call skid bids, you know, short amounts of time. Right. Um, so, you know, my husband came out, no cell, he'd never seen a cell phone. There was, there's no computers, tablets, all this technology, um, was foreign to him. Um, he it has post-traumatic stress, um, severely, um, it doesn't, um, affect him where, you know, he's able to hold a job. Um, but he still, is, you know, we live on Long Island. He's still feel for to drive, you know, he's not ever driven in 25 years. Yeah. Um, so he rides his bicycle. Um, but there's no way I would put him in front of, um, reality TV. And I'm kind of ashamed for even watching the show because it kind of just put the stigma in steel of these families. And, and it's so far from, I mean, there are a segment that are like that, you know, but there's a whole big, you know, other people. I mean, I know 
a doctor that's married to somebody that is serving time, um, a woman that was just appointed um, a parole commissioner did her husband did time with my husband and um, in New York. There's a lot of educated, you know, people and, the, and people that are in prison, a lot of them, you know, are good people. They just did a, a horrible thing and they can't be defined their whole life by that one horrible instance in right. their life. Right. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I have had more than one family member in prison, not for long periods of time, but there is, uh, I, I, I don't think this is an issue that doesn't touch many people. I think a lot of people either have family members or friends or someone in their circle who they know who's in prison and they don't discount them because of that. It is because of something they did. Everyone's story is different with reality TV. And I think you and I could agree on this. I mean, when we look at any shows that, um, I guess, capture a group of people, like I think of teen mom, you know, my mom was practically a teen mom. I have friends who are teen moms, but teen mom, the show captures the worst and most outlandish behavior, right? It's right. not it's not like the stories of people really making it. And so I think right. that's what Love After Lockup is doing that too because of course it's the reality TV machine. I find it interesting following you on Instagram because you post a lot of awareness um kind of memes and photos and also statistics about post incarceration incarc- incarceration I can't even say post incarceration <laughs> syndrome. And you actually kind of alluded to that being, I don't know what the percentages are, but it's huge. It's like a right. major issue. And does that have some effect on the recidivism rate? Is that the word when you right. go back to a- prison? Absolutely. Because so talk they, about what that is. You know, it, it's, it's basically um, post-traumatic stress syndrome, but it's, yeah. it's affected by, you know, incarceration. They are totally, um, desensitized in prison. They have to put on this tough, tough exterior. Um, and when they come out all of a sudden, everything is just thrown in their face and they, they only know how to act in prison. They don't understand how to function in day-to-day society. And just like guys coming back from war. And I, I don't like to put that, you know, cause people, you know, military wives get dunk and, you know, but it's it's a similar it's a violent you know surroundings that they're surrounded with and now you put them back um, in a situation where they don't even know what carpet feels like under their feet or what silverware feels like in their mouth um, and you know sneaking up on them you know could send them over the edge into a violent outburst um, so treatment is encouraged but a lot of these guys you know that shows weakness to ask for any kind of assistance. And my husband is not comfortable, you know, asking that nature's his therapy right now. That's his calming. He still can't deal with crowds. Um, he did text message me today, which I'm like shocked after being out, you know, almost a year and a half that he turns on his cell phone. Never mind. Um, tries to use it. Because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he, he it just, out. he finally figured it out. You know, I, I mean, he is slow, but he doesn't really have an interest in um, cell phones or technology. And, and it still baffles him that people have their nose in a phone, you know, all day long, or like, they're not seeing what's going on around them. Well, it is and, absurd when you think about it. You know, it is. It is absurd how we live now. And it's, is it like time stands still when you're in prison? In a lot of ways, yeah. Because, you know, especially in New York, they're finally now um, getting tablets, but that wasn't, you know, and there's a big uproar because of the cost. You know, it's going to be passed on to the families. You know, each email is going to be, I think, like a quarter, which doesn't seem so bad, but you have guys that'll be like emailing in the morning, hey, good morning. And they're going to take advantage of family because a lot of these women don't know how to say no, like, and set boundaries. Like, I am not spending a quarter for you to say two words. You know, if sitting down and writing a letter and that using a stamp that they have to pay for, they're going to put a little bit more effort in a handwritten letter than, you know, something easy like a tablet. And then on the other side is that that would have given my husband some kind of exposure to technology after getting out of prison 25 years 
um, that he had none, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. you know, he holds stuff in a lot. And, um, I think he was out maybe a month and we went to Burger King and I had to use the bathroom and we don't eat out a lot. And they hand us the cups and he's looking at me like the last time he was at a fast food, they filled the drink. And I was like, Oh, it's self-serve. We've got to do it ourselves. And I point into the machine and then I went to the bathroom and I turned to look and I saw him slam the cup down. And so I was like, oh, my God, what happened? And I walked over. I'm like, what's the matter? Everything was touchscreen. And he had no idea oh. how to use it. And it just like the little things had built up to the point where when he's like, I'm just done. I can't deal with this. You know, I was like, you know what? I don't eat out at these places either. Let's learn how to do this together. Um, you know, and I just started pushing buttons. What do you want? Oh, Dr. Pepper. You know, and, and, you know, people don't realize, you know, I mean, a lot of the people that I actually have a reentry group on Facebook and a lot of these families, their husbands only do a few years, three, five, you know, there's a small majority that have done the length of time that my husband has done. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a job after he was out in in 45 days. I mean, he just. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and, and it's he just kept looking and what, you know, he knew that to get me to him from Pennsylvania, that he had to work. I'm on disability right now. I can't afford um, for us to live on Long Island, you know, with the disability um, that I get. So he had to work. And so he had to pull up his bootstraps and, and learn to function, you know, and, and it's in a machine shop, it's dirty work, but it's um, hard work. And he does it because, you know, but now he feels like it's a different prison. Now it's like he went, he had no real time to acclimate himself back, you know, into the world, you know, right. You know, that's, and that's, that's sad. And that's some guys will do better than others. Some will catch on. They'll have a more interest in technology than my husband. Um, some might not find jobs right away. It's the very, it varies so widely area where you live in, you know, um, will have more barriers than others. Was it, was it a barrier for him to even find a job with, uh, certain things on his record or, I mean, how, well, this, this one was, um, they didn't do a background check, you know, um, we, we went to an actual, um, they don't call them like employment offices. It's like a laborer and they have like job listings and, and they had a re-entry person there that helped people that have a criminal background. But like a lot of people say, well, go to temp agencies. Well, the temp agencies had such a problem with felons here on Long Island mm-hmm. that they weren't helpful. They didn't, you know, he couldn't find anything there. And, but he finally walked into this place and he had training in prison, um, doing welding and, um, mechanical things. And so that's what got him this job. Um, I was wondering about that. So he did have some training in prison cause he was there for so long. I was, you right. know, what did he spend his time on? Right. Um, getting an education was key to him. You Good. know, he did a lot of, uh, legal work, um, a lot of mail order. Um, a lot of people like, Oh, there's no, they don't provide anything. Well, you know, somehow you provide sending him money for $200 tennis shoes, you know, (laughs) send him a book, you know, that's your future, not those tennis shoes, you know, um, it's priorities. And, but the, the women, a lot of them are, are just as bad. They look, you know, they got to stop the criminal thinking. If he can't behave himself in prison, you know, there's a reason he's there. You know, if how's he going to, you know, behave himself when he gets out, you know? Right. And your attitude and your awareness and your, uh, per, the parameters you had around your relationship seem to have contributed to your success, you know, with his you know, reentry. Right. I mean, if he wasn't on the same page as I was, like, I'm not doing this again. You right. know, I gave up so much to be in this relationship that you need to give 200%, you know, um, and it, it's so hard to keep my mouth shut in some of these prison wives groups um, because of like, oh, he hung up on me because I can't send him money. And it's like, oh, uh. I, I, I wish a dude would because you know how easy I could have said, you know what, he's a jerk. I, why did I waste my time? Um, you know, and with these women, there's a lot of self-esteem. I mean, um, I watched 
you know, briefly, I, you know, these people this season on Love After Lockup, oh, for the love of God. Um, <laughs> I know. And when you're saying the women, I mean, I'm thinking also of Scott, Scott and Lizzie. Oh, my heck. Oh. I mean, Joanne, can you believe this? That's just insanity. I mean, but, you know, everybody's going, well, poor Scott, poor Scott. Well, he wants a certain type of woman. Exactly. And, and I don't feel bad for him. I mean, if he, you know, there's nice women out there that, you know, you don't have to send $90,000 to for for drugs, for drugs, you know, and people like there's a love after lockup group and they're like, how did 90? I've never seen 90,000 in my life. Well, drugs are expensive in prison, yeah. you know, and um, but who knows if that was, you know, she was using drugs or she's got money on the side and, you know, but picking out a house and not sleeping. Oh, it's just like, you know, dude, come on, you know, right. Right. And, the, and it seems like the story that we're see, we see from a lot of these couples who are featured on the show, and we know they're recruited in casting for for the reasons that reality TV thrives. Exactly. You know, they're dramatic, they're outrageous, and their stories are judgment worthy. So that's why they're on here. But like, you look at maybe a Jonna and Garrett last year, and she was like buying the house ahead of time for him. She was, you know, doing everything. She was counting. It was like she was trying to build him a life. And of course it didn't work out because he wasn't invested. Right. Like and, you're saying well, the, per the person incarcerated needs to give 200% if you're giving 100. Exactly. And you know, I knew of her, she was in prison wives groups from as far back as I can think of 2013, I think. Wow. Okay. So that's why I knew the show was somewhat legit because I knew of her. Um, and there was another girl that was at her. I don't remember her name. She was in the prison wife's group too, but she was at the um, engagement party where Jonna got the ring. I saw her in there and she was with a guy for like 10 years. And the day he got out, he like, we're just going to be friends. You know, she, <laughs> you know, but the thing is that there's red flags. There's got to be, you know, they don't come home and do this without like, red flags and fireworks way before, you know, um, right. there, there's got to be red flags and, and John, she's young. She tried, I mean, at least she, you know, had some idea, like she knew there was going to be barriers to reentry with getting housing. So she bought a house. Mm -hmm. I mean, she tried to do, you know, um, but these guys, you know, he was a kid when he went to jail, he doesn't want to come home and, and settle down and, you know, I mean, we were in our forties when my husband and I, you know, um, he still was a kid when he went down. And that was one of my main concerns was like, you know, you may want to, he's like, and he's just like, a, not that kind of guy, you know, he just wanted one person, one woman in his life. Um, and he wants to fish and work. I mean, that's all he right. wants to do with his free time. Right. I mean, you guys fish a lot. I know, but it's what oh you my said. God. Nature is his therapy. So he wants to go out fishing. He wants quiet. He doesn't want crowds. I get that. Yeah, you know, and but then it comes to we had to talk about balance. Um, that you know, there's more to life than fishing and nature <laughs> and fishing and nature. I mean, he wants to go hiking and you know, so but he you know. Christmas, he's not into the holidays, um, mm. and we just got news, um, oh gosh, last Monday, that, you know, we rent, housing's really short on Long Island, we, and we rent a lot of people, because it's so expensive, they convert part of their houses into apartments, and um, we got notice that the owner of this place, his mother lost her home, and he, he's going to need our apartment so now we're looking for another apartment. We have till February, but it's like the worst Christmas news. And so that's uh, panicking him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I should have never got comfortable. You know, he had his fishing poles on the wall. And, you know, so now, you know, because he is on parole. So the parole officer comes knocking, you know, so it's hard, you know. So now we have to, you know, I'm like, we're going to find a place, babe. Just, you know, but who wants to deal with that? You know, these apartments are in people's homes. They don't want parole they don't trust you know so it's it's going to be hard and i don't think a lot of people realize you know unless you can buy a home outright it's really difficult to find a rental um you know that'll accept somebody that's been to prison and you know i think they have an idea but they have this white picket fence all he needs to do is get out 
and it's going to be fun and, and, and no problems, you know, and, and it's not that way at all. Do you find that your husband feels a panic, like everything's going to be taken away or his freedom might be taken away because it's so tenuous or it's so new to him? I think so. I, and I mean, he was getting comfortable here. Um, mm-hmm. His parole officer is, is okay. she's not the best. She's not very approachable, you know, and um, he's got like, they, they do a score, uh, like a, a supervision score, and he's got the lowest, like they know he's not going to be a problem. Right. He wasn't a problem in prison. It was like a, a one shot incident, you know, um, so she's just not very approachable. So, but it makes it harder. And he's, you know, he got 25 to life, which means technically he could be on parole the rest of his life, but he can, if he has good, like no problems, he can't be released early anywhere from three to five years. And so that's what we're hoping is that, you know, he's no problem. He stays with his curfew. And a lot of people, I see these women like, we're going on a cruise or we're going to go flying and we're going to go here. Well, you know, that, it's hard for parolees to um, travel and get permission to, to leave the county, never mind go to Tahiti right. and, you know, get a passport. Uh, it's pretty hard for a felon, depending on what kind of crime, to get a passport. And some countries won't let you in. And it's just this fantasy island that these girls live in that they don't realize that a lot of that's not going to happen. Your dreams are probably, you know, going to have to be skilled and dialed back. Right. And that's what we see on the show, too, on Love After Lockup. It's a lot of delusional thinking about it's going to be happily ever after the moment he or she walks out of those prison doors. And of course, that's not how life works. And that's not how the show works, because they, again, they choose these couples who are absurd in many other ways. But don't you find, too, the wild card of drugs and even in last year's case, gang activity, uh, you know, they they just throw another monkey wrench into things. If that person's not ready to change on levels that are beyond whatever they were incarcerated for, they're going to, they're going to violate their parole. Exactly. You know, um, especially if they have an addiction problem, if that's not immediately addressed as they exit prison, um, it's so stressful coming into the free world that that's a trigger and they're going to go back to what they know, Mm -hmm. which is doing drugs and going back to jail because it's safer for them and more comfortable for them. You know, my husband didn't have an addiction problem. My mom was an alcoholic, so I don't tolerate it. You know, the insanity. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, you know, like it's not the addict's fault. Well, that's, you know, it's understandable. I just can't, I lived through it with my mom and I just can't live through anything like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, and it's hard. And I feel, I mean, I know, um, but they can get help, you know, um, there's new medications. There's a shot now for heroin addiction that, you know, there's, but they got to want it. You know, is is there treatment in prisons that is, that is good, that is working? Do you feel like that's improved over the years? Um, no. And and, in some cases it's gotten, you know, worse. Like when my husband first went in, in the early days, you could take as many programs as you want it. Oh, you want to learn how to do body work? Go do that. Well, now money has gotten so tight um, that if you have uh, some kind of training before you go to prison and a career or something, you, you you don't qualify for a program. So you have to, you know, they gave you something to do. You may be mopping floors or helping out in the kitchen, but as for any kind of training, if you're already trained, you don't get additional training. Um, okay. And, and so that is, you know, a problem. But now they're rolling out the tablets, which will have ways to download an educational material. But they have libraries in the prison. Um, what about know. what about drug treatment and alcohol treatment, though? Are those available or are those yes. really hard to get? No, they're available um, and they're actually required um, to even to get a trailer visit. You have to take a, a six month um, drug program. Oh, yeah, you were saying that. OK. Mm-hmm. And uh, a two month uh, violence program. And they're also required to parole. Um, so those are those are programs, you know, um, are, you know, my husband was forced to take it, even though he had no history of drug abuse. Um, the incident with 
sent him to prison was at a bar. And I think that they're like, oh, is that a bar? You must be an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, and then when he got out, he was, had to take another additional six months on the outside um, and another two month violence. So he had to repeat those programs when he left prison. So it's, it, there's a lot when they come home, it's like, um, it, it's understand probation and parole. A lot of these people like don't, the women like, oh, it's up to him. Well, you need to be on board. He's facing so many things at once that you need to be on the same page with him, that they understand probation and parole, that these classes are required. Looking for a job is required. That keeps his day pretty full. So these little vacations and, and whatnot, you know, um, are probably not going to happen right away. Right. And and my husband was in upstate New York and I had to pick him up and drive, drive him here when he got out to Long Island. That drive was supposed to be five hours. It took 12 because he got violently car sick and we were constantly having to pull over because he was vomiting and he was afraid to take anything for motion sickness because as soon as he showed up parole, they're going to drug test him to make sure you have 24 hours to report to parole. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he was afraid to take anything. And um, getting car sick is very common, which I never knew. I thought, oh, I'm going to pick him up. We're going to have a great time. And, you know, so we couldn't even make it. We got to the county where he's supposed to be within the 12 hours. And we got a hotel because he was paroling to his sister. And it was she's pregnant. And it was like 1130 at night. And we didn't want to wake her. So we got a hotel. Well, he goes to parole the next day before he goes to his sister and he, he tells them, you know, they are like, well, how was, you know, getting here? And he's like, yeah, um, you stayed at a hotel and they like almost violated him right there. They're like, who said you could stay at a hotel? And it just said on his paperwork, proceed to the county. And right. we did get to the county. And he's like, look, my wife's disabled and my sister's, you know, eight months pregnant. And I didn't want to knock on her door, you know, 1130 at night. And, you know, he goes, well, you think you can just do what you want? You know, so even though it didn't say anything that, you know, but it's it's just said to proceed at 24 hours to proceed to the county. You know, you can't just go stay at a hotel room. You know, they you're on a tight leash and you just can't do what you want. It's, you know, so he was out one day and he could have easily, you know, been violated. Wow. You know? And do you feel like as his wife, you have to understand all the inner workings of the system, too? Oh, you do. And I'm still learning something new every day. I was so naive to the entry. I had no idea that it would be the problems that, you know, we encountered. Um, And he was all optimistic, you know, oh, well, fine, you know, and they don't know any better, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I never really got comfortable in our apartment, you know, because you just, you know, life experience. He has prison experience. I have life experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's like in somebody's home. And at the time, the woman, they have four kids and she was about to have a baby. And so she couldn't work anymore. And that was a year ago. And so now the baby, you know, is a year she's going back to work and they don't. And she had mentioned when we rented this, she wanted to keep it as a pool house. And so. I knew it wasn't going to be long-term, but I didn't want to say that to my husband, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, oh, they love us here. We pay on time. And, you know, I know people, you know, and it's their home and it's their private space. And I totally get it. Um, I don't know if his mother, if that's the real reason, or they just want their space back, you know? Right. Right. Um, but that's and- interesting that you said, I have life experience and he has prison experience. So do you find yourself in an awkward position sometimes because you, you do know so much more. I mean, do you, that you don't want to be the know-it-all, but you kind of are because you've lived on the outside for a long time and he hasn't. It is, but you know, I cannot be his mom. I'm not mommy. I'm not his warden. So if he's got to fall on his face, that's the way he's going to learn, you know, Um, unless it's putting himself at risk of being violated or, um, physical danger, you know, I'm not going to intercede, you know, if it's like, okay, you, you know, you know, best, right. (laughs) Let you learn, you know, um, you've got to let him be an adult, right? Exactly. And that's the only, um, only way they're going to learn is, you know, by not enabling them and not micromanage them. And I know this is a big problem that people face. I have another friend that I met early on in the journey. Um, she met, same way, met the guy. He had been in prison about five years. Um, she married him. They were married 20 years when he got out after 25 years. 
And um, within nine months, he was gone with her best friend. 20 years of her life. Wow. That she spent with this man. Now she's in her 60s and alone, you know. And um, so, but thinking back, you know, the red, she knew red flags, you know. And, she, and if you choose to ignore them, you know, I tell these girls all the time when they show you who they are, believe them. Right. And what do, what are some of these red flags? Like if you are dating someone who is in prison, what are some things that should be unacceptable to you? Uh, just the constant, you know, calling or, and the demands of your time and, and, and visits like, you know, Oh, I can't visit because it's snowing and he's demanding of the, he's putting you at risk and Mm -hmm. your health at risk. You know, it's like, he should be his first prior. Like my husband's like, it's supposed to snow this weekend. You can't come. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, my safety always came first. You're looking for somebody that's putting your needs first because they love you. Mm-hmm. That's what love's about. And if they're putting, you know, they're, and they're calling and the first thing they're saying is like, why isn't there $20 on my books? I was going to ask that, like the money thing. It seems like that's a common theme in Love After Lockup. Is that, I mean, Scott and Lizzie are the extreme example with the $90,000. But right. even with the prison wives groups that you're in, are you seeing people sending money, like you said, for things like shoes or just, right. you know, oh, just, and, and, just and like kind of keeping is, them on the hook for money seems like a theme. Right. And, and they do it very, how do you say it, like manipulative, like they'll meet a pin pal. And my husband actually um, had a guy that was on his tier that kept wanting his typewriter. And he's like, dude, look, I do legal paperwork because my husband does a lot of legal writings. And I mean, he used it to study and, and to write. I mean, we still have all his papers. And he's like, why do you want my typewriter so bad? I know you don't do any legal work, you know, because that's my husband's first thing. This guy was writing so many different women that he thought he could do it faster <laughs> if he had a typewriter. Oh, yeah. And he had, he goes, he goes, you know what I do? I write them and it's like the same letter. He just changes the name and a few details, but he was writing it by hand and like 10 different ladies. And he was like, I, I just want a friendship. Oh my gosh. I just want a friend and blah, blah, blah. But you know, I can't write too often. You know, I don't want any money from you. But then the next couple of letters, I would say, you know, I can't write too much because I don't have stamps and women would just be throwing. He's like, women just throw me money. I tell them I don't want it, but they keep giving it to me. What in the world is going on? I mean, so your situation is that you knew your husband from your younger days, from childhood through your twin brother. I didn't really know him. My brother knew him. I didn't really know him. A friend of your family's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't really know him. What is this whole meet and inmate.com where people actually look for someone who's incarcerated to date. What, what is that yeah. all about? I, I, I don't know. I think it's just loneliness and that, and it's a safety. Um, I think some people just, well, what's this about? It's safe. I can control the situation. Um, and, and within a short time, they're manipulated and being controlled. Right. They, they think they, the ones on the outside, they think they're going to have someone to control and manipulate, but you're right. It, it quickly reverses. Right. And, and these guys learn how to con and learn, you know, not all of them. I mean, there are some legit people that I've, I know that met and um, are still together. You know, they met as pen pals and, you know, but they don't go on national TV and it's not a train wreck. And, <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, and I didn't know, I'm not a huge reality TV fan. Um, Years ago, there was a documentary uh, called Prison Wives, and um, I had talked to the producers about that, and they originally wanted to call it Penal Attraction, and um, everybody got into an uproar, and it was changed to Prison Wives, and I I dropped out really early on. It just, it's not for me, and so I didn't know what WeTV was. I just knew Jonna, and... I didn't know a lot about her. I just knew she was younger and I don't pay attention. You know, I just scan through, you know, I don't comment a lot. And, um, but I knew she was legit because I'd seen her before. Right. And, and so I didn't know it was like a train wreck, crazy town. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the TV show is what it is, but it, it is interesting because it does 
like like what you talk about with the post incarceration syndrome and the trauma that comes afterwards of reentry, I feel like we do see a bit of the truth in those stories, even as crazy and absurd as they are. Like for instance, Mary and Dom last year, you know, they're still together, they're married, but he really he really seemed traumatized. And I don't know if that was just his affect on camera, but he and he was really wanting to do the right thing. He wanted to go to the halfway house. He wanted to make sure his parole wasn't being, wasn't violated. And I just, I kind of saw some of the the glimmers of reality in their story. Right. And you can tell that he has post-traumatic stress syndrome big yeah. time. Yeah. And so does Allah, you know, um, she just escaped uh, to drugs. Immediately. James and Allah. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, uh, it's, it's sad, you know, and I think a lot of these people that were, you know, they don't know about the system and they just been writing these people a couple of years and they've really not educated themselves. Like, what's this going to be like when they get out is putting a camera in their face when they're an addict, a good idea. Totally. You James, know? James had no idea. He seemed to have it. He seemed like a nice guy, nice enough guy, but he, it seemed like he really had no idea what the reality was going to be. Like he just wanted this hot woman and he thought it was going to be so romantic and it seemed she was set up for failure. I mean, she was still addicted, obviously, and turned to drugs right. almost immediately. And a, and a lot of these people stay on drugs in prison because it's they can't deal with it. Right. You know, they can't understand um, that, you know, prison's hard. It's not fun, you know, so they, they need some kind of escape. And my husband's escape was education and learning and trying to fight his case, you know, and um because it should have really been a self-defense issue, you know, and so he spent years and and he has a lot. We were going through starting to organize to pack and he's like, this was all a waste of time. I educated myself for nothing. It's, it was all a waste of time because he wants to throw out his trial because it meant nothing, you know, like, you know, it, it didn't mean anything. It kept your sanity in there. That's right. You know, and it was a good way to occupy your mind. And, you know, we still have all his legal books, all his legal writings. And, you know, he could have been shooting heroin up his arm, you know? Yeah. Good point. I mean, no one can take your education from you. You know, it's, he can't lose that. It's never wasted. It's absolutely never wasted. So did you watch the premiere of this season of love after lockup? Or are you going to skip this season? (laughs) I watched it and it's like, Oh my God. What the what? Oh my heck! I know. I mean, we already talked about Scott and Lizzie, but just quickly before I let you go, do you see any couples that that we've been introduced to new this season that even have a glimmer of hope? I mean, we saw Matt and Caitlin. No, no, I agree. No, no uh, we no saw. Way. Okay, Scott and Lizzie. We don't even need to comment. They're a train wreck. And then we saw Tracy and Clint. Now here's a here's a guy on the outside who's obviously being conned. I think. Right. Oh, yeah. He's, I don't know. It's like, and that's another thing when you're writing these people, you're just like, oh, I'm in for forgery. So you're just believing them, you know, ask for, you want to see their jacket, you want to see what they've been charged for every single thing. And they should have if they're legitimately want a, a new life and a new person in their life, they should have no problem giving you that information. Right. He couldn't even explain it. He didn't even know. He didn't even know right. what she was in for. And then we have Megan, the Virgin and Michael, who also has a baby mama on the side. And oh, yeah. they're setting she- up this whole triangle. I mean, what this is just obviously a train wreck made for TV. Exactly. And I, she's not a virgin. No virgin goes and rents a, you know, I, it's just a, a whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Joanne. I was like, this woman, we're going to say she's a virgin. Okay. All right. You know, maybe her parents think, but her, you know, her dad came with the right advice. You know, there's self-esteem problems there. And, you know, it's how much money do she send in this guy? Right. You know? Right. And the baby mama, she's not just out of her mind saying like, he's coming home to her, you know, it's like, he's obviously saying that she's not delusional. Like, you know, right. But he's meanwhile, coming... he's proposing to other people. It's just a mess. You know, and a lot of the women that are with men, they have no problem. They're just a scandalous, you know, they may just not be in jail, but they're like, they don't mind the men writing other women and having the other women support him. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's so much that we haven't even talked about that 
can happen. You know, it's just be mindful. And I, and what I fear is that you're going to have like somebody that's got really bad self-esteem is going to see this show and they're going to think they're the one they're going to go get on inmate match or whatever it is and find their next true love story. And they're going to get, you know, their life destroyed, you know, and it's, it's, it's really sad. I've seen, um, some success stories, but a lot more failures after they've come home or even before, you know, like he's getting, he's getting out in six weeks and he's getting distance. He's not writing me anymore. Well, he, it was a con the whole time, you oh know, except it now, you know, and it's, and you can see it. You, you can see, you know, like Jonna said, she didn't know, um, you know, she didn't support him while he was in. Um, but like I, he bought a car. I didn't see a problem with him buying a car before it was priorities. He needed a car to get to work. And that's a priority buying a decent car. That's not going to break down that you can get to work for before you get a one carat engagement ring. Yeah, I agree. You know, get a job, get stability and then think of a future, you yeah. know, especially when you're that young. Right. It's yeah. not a, it's not a fairy tale. It's a, it's a reality. And, and I think, you just talking about some of the barriers that's probably just scratching the surface of reentry. Oh, oh my heck. It, there, there's so much. And, and just in the pen pal situation, just, you know, I'm not saying not to do it. There's some decent people in prison, but you know, just be mindful. A lot of these guys take those ads out just to get somebody to support them. Yeah. You know, I can say to, that to get them to hire an attorney and, you know, and, and then they're just out the money and out the fair, especially if there's like a huge age difference, you know, when, you know, you're 10, 15 years older, you know, is this legitimate? Like, I mean, not to say that couldn't happen, but odds are it's probably, if you were to meet in the street, that's probably not gonna be <laughs> right. Exactly. A relationship that would be pursued like an know? Angela and Tony who are coming back yeah. this season. I mean, they just cry out for that stereotype of him using her for the money. I mean, she's sending, we saw her last season sending him all of her money, except for like what, $20 that she had for the week. Right. He and would what, never, he would never that. date her outside of prison walls, but he's keeping her on the hook for money. I mean, it seems obvious. Right. And these guys are like, well, the food's there's horrible. Right. You know, but as for their commissary sheet, it's like 42 cents for a can of tuna. Right. I mean, it's very cheap to eat. They don't need, like, somebody's like, I send him $400 a week. For what? He's doing drugs or he's gambling. There's no oh reason. God. He could eat on $25 a week or less, you know, if you're worried about him not eating from commissary, you know, or from the mess hall because the food's so bad. You know, he doesn't need you know, $400 a week. That's just like red flag, fireworks, sirens that should be telling you, but they want to buy love, you know, and they want to be, you know, and when they come home, they were like, I'm mama bear. I get to still control you and be mama bear. And these guys are like, I ain't dealing with that, you know? Yeah. And, and Garrett seems to be happy and whatever that kind of, whatever's going on there. And, um, and, and she, they both each kind of dodged a bullet. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I agree. She did too. I mean, she seems to be much happier and she definitely oh, yeah. dodged a bullet. Yeah, so no. yeah. Yeah. But you know, you don't get those four years back or no. five years or whatever, you know, she uh, prime of her life that you wasted on, on a fairy tale that was not set and based in reality. And, but I'm sure at the time in her gut, she felt it, you know? And I think a lot of these guys do feel it too at the time when they're writing it. They, I think some of them do feel what they say, but you know, it's when they get out and the pressures of reentry and, and the dynamics of the relationship change, it's too much for them. And, you know, it just, the relationship falls apart. Absolutely. Well, I, I wish you and your husband the best of luck. I know that you guys keep keeping strong and I hope that you find a place, you know, in a good amount of time. And I hope that you have a good Christmas, even if he's not into Christmas, maybe you can get him a little bit, a little bit excited about the holidays. Yeah, I hope so. Because yeah. last year sucked, and this this one we were like, oh, it's going to get better. Oh no, now you got to move. Oh my heck! <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> gosh, Joanne. Well, thank you for talking today. You're awesome. I'm going to keep following your story, and I love that you raise awareness and that you support all of these other women and men, especially women who are going through this, and and, and that you just speak the truth on it too. I think it's really valuable. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. And thank you to Joanne for telling her story. She's going to keep watching Love After Lockup with us. And I'm going to keep asking her questions, I'm sure, as the season goes on. Remember, Love After Lockup is on WeTV Friday nights at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. But you can catch it all week long on their website or streaming from all different places. If you want to hear extra clips from Joanne and I chatting uh, offline, then you can join the Patreon. This week, I'll be putting that up in addition to some more inside information you can go to patreon.com slash pink shade to become a member support the podcast or just going to itunes and giving me a five-star rating and review is a valuable way of supporting the podcast as well you can follow me at erin leah martin on instagram and twitter and you can check out all of my recaps on realitytea.com i am recapping love after lockup this season and of course i'm finishing out the grueling season six of 90 day fiance Thanks, everyone. I hope you have a great week ahead and a great weekend coming up. I will be coming at you with new episodes all through the holiday season. And until next time, I will see you in reality. 